We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. So don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, then you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash manifest. Just go to indeed.com slash manifest right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash manifest. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the new year, I really want to make sure that sauning is a big part of my wellness routine and that is where I'm thrilled to bring in Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adapt ancestral ways of living in our modern-day world. Their extensive range of premium wellness products help you sleep better, perform better, and have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list really is endless. If you're interested, go to bondcharge.com manifest and use coupon code manifest to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash manifest and use coupon code manifest to save 15% off on your purchase. That's bondcharge.com slash manifest. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Manifest with Tori DeSimone. I'm your host, Tori DeSimone, and I am so excited for today's podcast Um, Because I have a guest on today, and you guys know that I don't have guests on frequently, and I've been making it more of an effort lately to have very intentional guests on that really align with everything that we talk about on the podcast, and I really want to bring on local guests as well, Um, people that have a passion and want to spread a message and just have something really valuable to say. That's the people that I want on Manifest and someone that really aligns with everything that we talk about on the show and will really add value and light a fire within you guys listening. And that is everything that today's guest embodies. Um, I'm so happy to bring on my good friend, Ashley. And um, her and I have known each other for the past couple of years. Um, She manages a spin studio in the area. And just through the spin industry, we met um, years ago. I want to say like back in 2018 or 2019. So almost four to five years ago, we 
um, we knew of each other and then we met and um, we've always kept in touch. And today I had the pleasure of having her on the show and we got to chatting afterwards and she's just so amazing, such a stand-up girl and you guys I think will really love what we talk about in today's episode. Um, about two years ago, I'd say Ashley really started posting on her Instagram, which is at wellness mind body, um, about food and, um, whole food, proper nutrition and local farming as of recently. And she just started coming out with an ebook and I have texted her a couple times, like throughout the past year or so saying like, I want to learn more about what you're posting. Like, how can I get started? And then about a month and a half ago, I'd say she started releasing an ebook. And when she released an ebook, I was like, I want her on the podcast. Um, She is just a wealth of knowledge. And while we were chatting today, I was just constantly impressed with everything that she had to say. She's so passionate about this topic and so knowledgeable about this topic. And I just thank you guys are really going to love it. Um, we talk about diet versus nutrition. We talk about farming, which stay with me because it's, it's so fascinating. Um, we talk about farming, we talk about daily wellness practices, and we just dive really deep into today's episode. And I just loved everything about it. And I was so happy to have her on. So Um, yeah, I guess without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode with, um, myself and Ashley. Hi, Ash. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Tori. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited when I reached out to you, um, a couple weeks ago to come on, you were like so down, so ready to go. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. I'm, I'm still so humbled by you just wanting me to be here to talk about it today. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I'm very excited to have you on today. And, um, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, a little elevator pitch, if you will. Okay. So I am a fitness instructor. Um, I actually teach spin, um, and I also manage a fitness studio, um, in the local area. Um, that's, predominantly my you know full-time job um but then I have loads of hobbies on the side um and a lot of those hobbies and you know creative uh, avenues that I've gone down have allowed me to kind of look into I think what we're predominantly talking about today and that's um you know local food and um local communities and how to get involved and kind of bring all of that together into the same space um but I would say health and wellness is like my main, uh, I don't know, like, I hate this part. Thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, right before I was like, so what do you want me to call this? And she was like, ah, that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to put it into, yeah, like a, a phrase or whatever. But I would like really just call it healthy living um, is pretty much how I try to work professionally and like live my life, um, you know, non-professionally as well. Yeah. So how'd you get into all of this? So I, I was predominantly into fitness first. That really was my first avenue into anything having to do with health. You know, I grew up as an athlete. Um, and then when I was in college, I was working, you know, and going to class and stuff like that. Um, and 
right around my part-time job at the time, a, yeah, spin studio opened and I was like, oh wow, like let me go over. I loved fitness at the time and I thought I always wanted to be like a personal trainer. Um, and a couple of us went over to take a class and we just really, really loved it. So um, that was like my first professional foot that I stepped into the fitness space. Um, and I really, I've been there ever since working, but um, that was my basis. That provided like a baseline of what I presumed to be what health was. Um, and then I think over the last three years, especially, I got more into nutrition and, you know, what that means for me and how different it can be for each person um, because my, my main job is to get people healthier. Um, and then I was also going through a lot the last three years, like through the pandemic. Um, but I think the main driving force between getting me into where I am now is I had really, really awful anxiety. Um, I think it was, you know, the first year of the pandemic, you know, we were all so scared, like nobody knew what it was or how it impacted our health. Um, and I, I actually did get COVID, um, like the alpha, like <laughs> that sounds so weird, but there's like so yeah. many versions now. So yeah. it was, you know, the first year that it, it hit everybody. Um, and I, I got COVID and it was such, like the actual, um, you know, illness didn't do anything to me. Like I had a very mild co cold. Um, I did lose my sense of smell and, and taste. Um, but besides that, it was very mild. I wouldn't have even known that I was sick. Um, but I did get tested and, um, it was like two weeks being alone in my apartment and just worrying about my health and looking at the screens like all day long. I was just like, I, I, I really do think I, up until that point, I never really dealt with anxiety before. And then I think that ended up, um, having some, you know, like traumatic, just, I guess, uh, residual effects um, from just being isolated and being worried all the time. So then I, th I think a couple months down the line, I started just like overthinking things and, and noticing that I had like more anxiety than I was used to um, until it got to a really, really bad point where I was having like panic attacks and I was, you know, um, gathering like my roommate at the time. And I was like, you have to take me to the ER. Like, I think I'm having, like I, I developed health anxiety, I think is really what happened. So um, you know, I got to a point and I, I actually really relate to what you said in your last podcast about flying. And you were just like, one day you were just like, I don't want to keep, you know, feeling this way when I go to fly. I don't want to, um, I'm just done. I'm done with the anxiety. I'm done with feeling this way. Um, it was like probably like my 15th panic attack. I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to feel this way anymore. So like, what am I doing or what, what is it about my current environment that is, making me you know go down these destructive thought patterns and these paths that I'm on um and so one of the things I really like to do is research so I just start researching a bunch of things that's what I found Mark Hyman and I found um, a lot of other you know um people that I look up to now but one of the main things I learned that impacts the brain and you know uh, the receptors and how we just go through our life and how we think and our thought patterns was food. And um, I figured like, oh, a food is just, you know, just eat your veggies, you know, moderation, like sweets and moderation, all this stuff. Like it's not, it's not a big, you know, um, 
it's not a big deal. Um, but the more I looked into it, I really discovered, you know, how impactful the right choices can be. Um, not only just mentally, but also like physiologically, like it, it does kind of alter your brain chemicals, like depending what you're eating, um, the quality of what you're eating. That was a really long winded way of saying like, that's how I got into the food space and um, thinking so much about it Um, and it's it's hard to kind of think back to that time because you do so much growth in between then you know like it's kind of like when you first start to um, do something and you're like this is this is how it is right now but then you have so many growth steps in between that it's hard for me to like remember back to yeah like the two two years ago when I really started looking into all this stuff Um, but it was that initial, I need to heal myself. I need to get better. Let me look at what I'm doing. Because I know I'm moving. I, mm-hmm. I know I'm exercising. I know I'm mm-hmm. working out. Um, I feel happy for the most part, except for, you know, these bouts of anxiety. Um, something must not be right. And so let me let me at least look at my food first. And if there's other things I need to deal with, then I'll deal with that later. But first, let me look at this. And so once I started looking into that, I learned so much, not just about you know, nutrition, but also food and food quality and the food system. Um, And so that's kind of how it all came about. So you knew that food wanted to be the first thing you looked into, or was it like you researched and then it kind of started pointing you in the direction of food? I I researched first and then I kind of learned, you know, certain, yeah, like certain deficiencies, certain vitamins, if you don't have enough of them, like can impact you in XYZ way. Um, so that's kind of how I came about to that. So I definitely did the research first and then it, it drew me to food. Now I feel like there's so much information out there, especially when it comes to food. And not only is there so much, but it's also contradictory. Like one minute it's like apples are good for you. And then the next minute, like if you eat an apple, you're going to peel over and die. So how do you differentiate between what's real? What should I listen to? What should I not? Or did it take you, you know, two, three years to kind of figure it out for yourself? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. So don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, then you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about Indeed is that whenever I'm looking for a candidate, I put it out on Indeed and instantly I get matched with exactly what I'm looking for. So I don't really have to waste time like scrolling through resumes or anything like that to make sure that they're what I'm looking for. Every resume that I do look for has exactly the qualifications that I need. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning your preferences. So the more that you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash manifest. Just go to Indeed.com slash manifest right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash manifest. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the new year, I really want to make sure that sauning is a big part of my wellness routine, and that is where I'm thrilled to bring in Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adapt ancestral ways of living in our modern-day world. Their extensive range of premium wellness products help you sleep better, perform better, and have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list really is endless. So from blue light glasses, starlight therapy, to EMF management, and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern day way of life effortlessly with maximum impact. One of my favorite products from Bond Charge is their infrared sauna blanket. I loved sauning and I have for a really long time, but the problem is I always have to go to the gym. And a lot of times I want to sauna at night when I'm cozy at home. I just don't want to leave. That's why using the infrared sauna blanket at home has been so amazing. This is a really great way to ease stress and unwind at the end of the day. It's also really good to detoxify and it promotes um, lower inflammation in the body, which is really, really huge. What's also really cool is that because this is a blanket, your head is out of it. So it's honestly, I find it's easier to stay in this longer. And because my head is out of it, I'm able to like read a little bit longer and my body still gets all the good benefits that I get while being in the sauna blanket. It's really easy to set up and it's also really easy to clean. It takes less than a minute to set up. It heats up really quickly and I can enjoy like a 30, 40 minute session in the sauna blanket while I'm relaxing, reading, watching TV, meditating. While if I'm in the sauna, I can really only stay in it for like 15 minutes because it gets so hot and uncomfortable, but because my head's out, I'm able to stay in it longer, but I still get all the benefits of it. I just feel so much more relaxed after my sessions. I just feel really, really good. And I just love ending my night with a sauna. Bond Charge ships worldwide in rapid time. They have free shipping on every sauna blanket. They also have easy returns and exchanges, and they have a 12-month warranty. If you're interested, go to bondcharge.com manifest and use coupon code manifest to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash manifest and use coupon code manifest to save 15% off on your purchase. That's bondcharge.com manifest. Where do you even start? Like it's (laughs) such a huge topic to even dive into. It's daunting to start. And I think that's why a lot of people don't start. Mm -hmm. Totally. I totally agree. Um, You know, I think, and I only know this looking back at it now, but the food and even, you know, the diet industry, I think kind of overshadows the nutrition more so than anything else because I think if we're all of different thought processes, then we can stay distracted longer and we're not really focusing on like nutrition here as much as we are, this is the right way to eat. These are the right things to eat. But yeah, milk is good for you now, but cheese is awful for you next week. Like whatever, I totally understand. It is really confusing. Um, But one 
uh, during my research, one of the organizations I found was super pivotal in helping me just like have create a baseline of yeah, like what what am I supposed to be eating? just like as a human, <laughs> like let's, let's take out like, you know, um, all these different ways you can identify with, uh, food, like I'm vegetarian, I'm carnivore, I'm whatever it is. Like, I'm not even going to take that on. What is biologically healthy for a human being to eat based on evolution, not based on like, you know, a third party study that was, you know, double blind, like whatever the research articles say, but biologically and evolutionarily, what is healthy for a human to eat? That cleared up a lot for me. Um, and I found this organization um, called the Weston A. Price Foundation. And this is extremely interesting. And I, they're still super pivotal in my journey and just like navigating the world today. But Weston A. Price was a uh, Canadian dentist um, and in the 40s. And so he was actually one of the first people to link oral hygiene with physical health um, and oral health with physical health. So he traveled around the world to different tribes and villages and, and cultures and would find people with like vibrant, you know, smiles, um, never needing any braces, no cavities, no, uh, you know, tooth decay. Um, and they were also very happy and they were very fit and they were living well into their 90s with like great health span and basically just like the epitomes of health. And so he used the rest of his life to kind of research that and, and see, you know, what foods were they eating and what were they doing and what was, you know, the main portions and, and aspects of their cultures that allowed them to live such vibrant, um, you know, vital lives. And so... Later on, obviously he passed away, but his work is still, you know, it's still available. You can get his books. Um, but there was a foundation that, a nonprofit foundation that took all of his teachings and basically they are um, doing activism basically in these, it's, they call it food farming and the healing arts. So I, I do have to give them a lot of credit to what I know now um, was from like their teachings. You can become a member and you can, they'll send you like quarterly journals and it's really, really interesting um, but it's based off of more, I would say like an Eastern medicine way, holistic homeopathy way of, of just like living your life. Um, and it's, that cleared up a lot for me as far as food goes. And I think that was, and I know we talked like kind of before this, but like it unlocked a level of consciousness for me where I stopped looking at food as like black and white and, you know, there's, um, this type of food and, and carrots are good for you now, but you know, if you have too much broccoli next week, like whatever the, the, the diet industry is always going to change because at least not right now, the goal, the collective goal is not health. It's marketing. It's, you know, um, so I am wary who I listen to now and what I listen to now. And I would encourage other people, um, to not outsource so much of, your decisions to outside sources basically you know people that are trying to get you to think a certain way or this is bad or this is good um and I know that's hard to do but the base of what I would ask myself is what makes sense for a human to eat what what is actually healthy for me to eat um evolutionarily and biologically and what was the answer <laughs> <Do you, laughs> yeah, get deep. I want to hear everything. <laughs> okay. Um, well, and and I will say again, just like 
Weston A. Price traveled the world and he saw all these different cultures, there's going to be different people who eat differently. So there's going to be people who would prefer not to get their protein from, you know, animal foods. And there's going to be people who don't mind, you know, like, so I definitely, no matter what I say, um, I'm not, you know, hopefully telling anybody to eat a certain way. However, I think we can all agree, no matter how you identify with your diet, fresh food is best. So eating something that has a short shelf life, something that came from the earth in one way or another, or was integrated in nature in one way or another, um, is a great place to start prioritizing those foods. And I think that can consist of, um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of animal protein. So I, I do eat meat. Um, I eat seafood. Um, and you know, I eat eggs and, and some dairy and fruit and, um, some vegetables that I I've learned that don't bother my stomach. Um, cause I know that that is also a thing. Um, but I would prioritize, yeah, like nature made foods. Um, that's my personal opinion because once you start prioritizing those foods, you will notice a big difference in many aspects, but especially, and this is one thing I don't think the diet industry ever talks about, and it's satiety. It's just feeling satiated and being like, okay, I just had a meal and wow, yeah, I'm not thinking about my next meal for the next two hours. Like, I don't know how you feel, but um, especially being in the fitness space, like it's, you have long days and so you're, yeah, you're eating. I was eating one minute and I was like, I can't wait to have, let's snack later. I can't wait to do this. And I didn't realize at the time, I just was like, this is how everybody eats. But once I started prioritizing satiating foods, I was like, okay, I eat this meal. I eat dinner. I'm good. And I don't think like food does not run my day anymore. Um, and that's a whole different, obviously topic, like just diet in general. But, um, in terms of what I think is most important to prioritize, it's, food from nature um yeah that's what I would say I really like the distinction too that you keep coming back to that it's nutrition versus like diet culture mm -hmm. which is huge because I agree like the diet culture is the one that keeps throwing things out there that's like actually don't do this but do this right Absolutely. but nutrition has stayed constant forever exactly yeah. so recently you've also gotten into like making like sourdough <laughs> yes um I just made my first loaf of sourdough bread the other day. <laughs> Don't want to brag. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. I have started my fridge. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. My friend um, Nikki, her and I got to talking and she was like, oh, you should come over and make bread with me. And I was like, okay. So I went over, I made bread. I had no idea how long the process oh. of making sourdough bread was. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I have to go. So I have like all of her bowls and stuff that I have to give back to her. But um, this week you were posting about wraps. I think mm -hmm. yesterday you were posting yes. about wraps, right? Mm -hmm. And you made a sourdough wrap. Right. Um, so I feel like that's just one example of how you can like take control over food and bread. And I mean, I didn't know this until I went over to Nikki's a couple weeks ago, but she was like, you can make pasta with sourdough. Mm -hmm. You can make cinnamon buns. You were posting oh, yeah. yesterday about wraps. Like you can make so much with your own like two hands. Exactly. And it's really cool. And I never thought about that. Exactly. hundred percent. And that's, I think where we are getting to, I think we're in a really pivotal time in history where we have all of these advances of like the modern technology. Um, but yet we've still, we've almost like 
I don't know, devolved <laughs> to like stop doing a lot of these things ourselves, And that's, that's like kind of my fear for the future is if we, if we don't find a way to toe the line between, you know, modern advancements and still being very capable human beings, like I think if we, if we do find the balance, we'll be, we'll be set. Um, but you do, you have a lot of, you have a lot more control over what, and that's a big thing for me. I always talk about autonomy over your own life. Like you have a lot more um, control over what you ingest. And I don't just mean like food, like just all, in all aspects. Um, but it is, it does take a little bit of, you know, research and it takes a little bit of time. Yes. Um, I do think that that's another big thing that um, our food this these days are built for convenience as opposed to, you know, nourishment. Um, because you look at our modern life, like we got to work, honey. We got to be like at the office. We got to be up early. We got to, you know, be there for the kids and grab them after school and all this yet. Like we have really no downtime, um, which is much different than maybe like, you know, even, I don't know, like 80 years ago, 60 years ago, um, life was a little bit different. So we had a little bit more time and you could spend like that day baking bread and you could like, now we're like, how long is this going to take? I, know, that was me. I was like, Nick, I'm so sorry. <laughs> to give people some takeaways from the episode, what does a typical day of eating for you look like? Like if someone loves what we're talking about and they're like, I want to start diving deeper into this. I want to start eating like this, mm -hmm. finding proper nourishment for myself. What do you typically eat, eat in a day? Yes. So my, my schedule definitely impacts this a lot because most mornings I'm up very early um, and I have to be at work at like five. So um, I might not eat right away, but I will try to eat somewhere in the morning, uh, morning time, maybe like 9 or 10 a.m. Um, but my biggest go-to would be like animal protein, some sort of um, either chicken from the night before or – and I know that sounds weird as like a breakfast, but, I, you know, I stopped thinking about like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I'm like I have two meals a day, and I just make sure that I get what I need out of both of them. Um, so I don't really like label them anymore as like this is not a breakfast food or whatever. Um, but I, I will have definitely eggs. Eggs are in the mix every single time, <laughs> you know, like two eggs. Um, and then maybe like a piece of chicken or like a, a hamburger patty. Um, it's really weird and it probably will gross a lot of people out that I eat like this. <laughs> um, and then like, I'll have like fruit on the side. It just depends what it is. I don't eat, you know, a huge amount of food, but that's again, the thing with satiating foods, you don't need, um, a lot on the plate, but there has to be depth to what you're eating. And I think that's really what it is. And so, um, especially nowadays in the U S like what is predominantly our breakfast foods, they're like super, they're either super processed or they are like heavy carbohydrates. And so, and I, I absolutely think carbs have a place in, and carbs are, aren't not just like bread and, and stuff like that and pasta. It's also fruit and it's also vegetables. Um, so I think it's another thing that people get confused about um, with like diet culture verbiage and stuff like that. Um, but 
I would say first meal, prioritize protein. And not only protein, but an absorbable form of protein. And so your body can easily recognize, again, nature-made foods. And so it doesn't have to work as hard to break down the protein that you're eating as opposed to if you're eating, you know, this protein powder that might not be super, um, you know, soluble and, and available for your body. So that's what's a a key term that people will kind of throw around. And if people are interested, bioavailability or something when it's bioavailable, it's your body's like ready to use it right away. And is that not what we want from our food? You know, you don't want your, you don't want to eat like a huge bagel that's, and I'll say a processed bagel because you can make sourdough bagels and they've, <laughs> they're yeah, fire. <laughs> um, but you don't want to make your body work any harder than it already. It's doing all these amazing things without us even knowing. And if you can just make sure that you're giving it clean fuel it's, that's ready to go and ready to use, you are going to operate at an optimal level. And so that's what I try to do for that first meal is like, Give myself some good protein that my body can break down right away. Um, And then, you know, have some fruit, some carbs that will keep me going throughout the day. Um, That's pretty much it. That's and and it's, again, really boring, but I pretty much do the same thing for dinner. (laughs) So it's like very it's not as like fun as it probably seems from the outside. But um, (laughs) it's yeah. But but that's the thing. Again, it, it went from me thinking about food all the time and what was I going to make and what was I going to do to like, okay, this is, this is just something I do. Like I just eat and I get along, I get on with like the rest of my life that I have time for now, you know? And I, I don't get me wrong. I love to cook and we make a lot of things, um, at home. And so like, that's super fun too, but, um, bioavailable ingredients are definitely what I would say if somebody was looking to kind of nourish themselves better look into nature-made foods that are easy for your body to absorb. I get a lot of questions from listeners where, you know, they, they are in a relationship or they live with their partner or they live with a roommate and like their partner doesn't eat the same way that they do. Mm-hmm. Does your fiance eat like this as well? He does. Or did you convert him? <laughs> <laughs> so he actually is an angel <laughs> because when we first met, I was a vegetarian, which oh. is... <laughs> okay not on the current brand at all but like and so I hope that helps people know like once you can try things and you don't have to like identify in like that way your whole life basically you can totally change you can totally evolve um I was vegetarian because um well it doesn't really matter but I just I thought that that was what I needed at the time and so um he was a, a great sport I was making I was still making like veggies and fresh food but um, you know, when I made tofu, he was eating it with me, even though like the poor thing, like, <laughs> I mean, I, you, I don't know if you've ever seen him in real life. He's like, he's like a very large man who needs a lot of like protein. <laughs> so, um, he, he was eating like, yeah, all that stuff with me. But I think at one point, again, when I kind of was like, okay, I'm done feeling like super anxious all the time. I, I want to feel energized. I want to stop like sleeping in the middle of the day. Um, he was like, great. Okay. So we're going to go back to how he always ate. He actually ate very similar, um, to how I eat now. And I mean, he calls it like the bachelor diet. Like he literally just would eat protein and like some veggies. Like, so I was like, I, th- I got very, very lucky. Cause I know that's not always the case. Um, he's very health conscious. He's like the supplement King. He's yeah. Um, so I'm very lucky in that aspect, but I, 
also recognize that that's not always the case for people. Um, and it is tough. So I, I think we talked about this in the very beginning before we even like started recording, but, um, it's again, a level of consciousness. And so if you were like, what would you say to somebody that is maybe in a, yeah, like family or a relationship that, um, is not super like open to this type of eating or just like changing their habits in general. Um, cause that's very real. And I, I talk to a lot of people like that. Um, what I would say is just maybe like encourage them to try a meal with you, try a meal with you and then note how they feel afterwards. So, you know, um, and I, and I think people who care about you are going to try things. If you, if you're genuinely like, Hey, I really want to do this. I think it's going to impact, you know, my health and my life for the better and yours. Um, you know, if they, I'm sure of it, like you have good people in your life, they're going to be like, okay, like I'll try it or I'll give it a shot. And, you know, even if they don't, um, it's, it's just not giving up on them and not giving up on the lifestyle um, because the more you try and the more you do it, one meal at a time, that's really what I say, like one meal at a time, notice how you feel. If you feel yourself clear-headed, then you're not going to, you know, maybe go back to having like a whole bag of Doritos. Or maybe when you do have a whole bag of Doritos, you're like, man, I feel like really I don't know, like foggy and I feel like tired. I have a migraine. I have a headache. Note that. Note when you don't feel good and what you had and what was in your day. Um, again, ingesting whatever it was, not just food, but, you know, did I sleep well? Did I do all these things um, that impacted how I feel? So really just taking it step by step um, with, you know, social media and phones and everything. We think like, okay, I'm going to start this today and I need to be like the guru tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, that's not the case at all. It's, this is your life. This isn't social media. This isn't, you know, your Instagram page. This is your life. And so when you think about it in terms of this is my longevity, this is me playing with my kids well into my, you know, 50s, 60s. This is me being there for my grandkids. This is, this is my health. This is not a fad. I need, I think it, it holds a little bit more weight. I agree. There was this one podcast episode that I talk about a lot with Dr. I don't, I don't know if he's a Dr. Huberman. Is yes, he a doctor? Yeah. yeah uh, he's, Does he's he a, go by it? He, PhD. Yeah. Cause he's, okay. he's a, he professes. Okay. <laughs> professor. We're both like obsessed with him. Him and Dr. Pita Atia Atea. I always feel like I say his last name wrong. Anyway. <laughs> They had an episode, I'm sure you listened to it, where they talked about the last 10 years of your life yes. and how you should live your whole life for those last 10 years. Like, do you want to be able to get up off the ground by yourself? Do you want to be able to play with your grandkids? Like 100%. all those things are so important. And the way that you live the last 10 years of your life is by how you live the prior 80 years, 90 years, Right. you know? So yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. And also the thing with brain fog, you don't even know you have it until you're clear of it. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, totally. totally. It's wild. Like I used to hear people be like, oh, brain fog. Like I had such brain fog. I'm like, I don't know what anyone is talking about <laughs> with this like brain fog. And then before we started recording, I was telling Ashley that I just feel so much more calm these days. And I look back and I don't know if it was necessarily brain fog or just a lot of anxiety or just like constant, like I was just always in fight or flight mode. But like the peace that I feel now and like the mental clarity that I feel now versus six months ago, mm -hmm. it's wild. And I would imagine brain fog is very similar. 
Yes. And um, it's it's just a cool like biomarker almost of oh, absolutely. progress. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. So I want to ask, where do you source your food? Because I would, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you don't eat like Purdue chicken or <laughs> stuff like that. So like, where do you get your food? And I also want to mention that Ashley has an ebook out. Are there two parts of it out right now? Yes, there's two parts. Okay. So the first part was like an introductory into mm-hmm. what your ebook's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then your second part is very deep into farming and local food systems. I want to hear like (laughs) as deep as you want to go on that. So like where do you source your food and how did you become passionate about local farming and things of that nature? Okay. So I, these are layers that have been unpeeled. So yeah, the first layer was kind of learning what I should be eating. And then the second layer was the quality of those products. So I, I can't, I don't know if there was like a distinctive day. Like it's, it's hard to think back and be like, there was one day where I started shopping at a farmer's market, but you know, little things started to align in my life. And I had a friend who was like, Hey, there's a farmer's market pretty close to us. Do you want to go with me? And I was like, Oh yeah, I've been dying to go to one of those or whatever. Um, and at the same time I was kind of learning about the food system just in general and you know, where things come from and, um, I think probably more predominantly going to the farmer's market and talking to actual farmers and the people who run the markets, that was probably the most um, integral piece for me to recognize that, you know, quality is a massive thing to think about as well. Um, It's really important, I should say. Um, So I go to a few different places, but one of the market that I went to that day and that I've continued to go to, um, it's called Growing Roots Farmer's Market. Um, and they have a few different locations there in, um, can I say, okay, they're in Malvern, um, and then they have some in Eagle View and Donningtown. Um, there's a Westchester Growers Market in Westchester, obviously. Um, but what I've also learned, because I, before I got into any of it, I was like, Oh God, what? That's so hard to know. Like, when are they going to have a farmer's market? I'm, I'm never going to catch one. You know, how do I know the people there? Am I just like buying things that I would buy at the store? You know, um, it, it can be very overwhelming going into it, but these are really cool because they're always the same times. They're always the same days. So it's kind of like you can plan your trip to go and get what you need. Um, and they always have, they pretty much always have the same vendors at them or very slightly different, but they all will frequent the same market. So that has been very easy. So you go to a market and you basically, depending on the market, um, you can go to their website. I'm sure they can show you who's like, you know, the vendors, the different producers that are going to be there, which farms, um, if they're organic farms, you know, if they're regeneratively raised animals, whatever it might be. Um, so then you know who is going to these markets and then you, again, you can plan into your schedule. Okay. I'm going to go and I'm going to get, yeah, like eggs here. I'm going to go get my meat here, whatever. Um, and so that's where I've learned and met a lot of the producers that are in this area was by going to those markets. So, um, and I can give you all like all the details so you can share it with everybody. Um, but yeah, those, those are great. Um, and right now they're on a winter schedule, so they're biweekly, but in April they'll go to every single week, which is really awesome and accessible for people, hopefully. So, um, that's predominantly where I get the, the big stuff I'd say, like, um, meat and eggs and stuff. Um, but 
then I also will supplement with Kimberton Whole Foods, which is they are crushing it and they're like opening all these different locations. I think they just put one a new one in, in Phoenixville, I think, or oh, Devon really? or something. Yeah, there's there's a huge yeah. Um they're they're opening a bunch around now. I have like I there's one in Downingtown. Um I go there I a lot. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a so little. cutie. <laughs> I'm like, we need more space. It's so cutie. It's really small. It's a cute little spot. Um but it's cool though, because it's it's over the last like year and a half, I've noticed it's beginning so crowded. And I'm like, this is awesome. People are kind of um you know, looking more into this and taking it more seriously. Um, and Kimberton, for anyone who's not familiar, is a multi-generational grocer. So they've been around for many years, um, but they will source from local farms. So you have, you know, obviously some aspects of um, like a normal grocery store. You can still get like Primal Kitchen stuff. You can still get things that you might get at Giant. Um, but in terms of like dairy and maybe some cheese and, um, you know, little products here and there, meat especially, they will actually source from surrounding farms, which is really nice because then you can still buy them at market hours and not have to go to farmer's markets, um, but you're still supporting that farmer. You're still supporting a local, you know, um, integrity-based business that is very committed to getting quality food on your plate. And so, um, that's probably the main two places that I get them from. Obviously, like I will, will use like a, a subscription service sometimes. Um, like I've mentioned butcher box before you just have to be like mindful of those. I try not to use that all the time because it's, it's nice if you're just getting into it, but, um, there is also something called greenwashing and it's kind of like, you know, using these big brands that are catching on to the, the, the wave of like local food and they're, um, you know, if you don't support the right ones, you just have to be careful with like, you know, where you're supporting because um, sometimes it has the impact to, you know, really not be great for the local farm because, you know, if people are ordering from them and not from your local farmer, then, um, you know, they might be out of business. Like it's, it's, it's something, it's like a hairy topic, but, um, and you can cut that part out because I don't know. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Um, yeah. So, so, but I do. I'll use Butcher Box um, for for things that I can't get, like scallops. Like, yeah, where am I going to get scallops from so here? So true. <laughs> so um, that's really good. And I like doing their seafood because it's wild caught. Um, I'm, I can't catch any wild salmon. I don't even know if that exists here. So you can't get it in Marsh Creek. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So um, so yeah. So that is there's definitely places around and there's tons of maps and like, again, using the technological age, like let's use it for the right purposes. Let's look at, there's so many um, maps and different websites you can go to that will, if you plug in like your zip code, they will tell you, here's all the farms around you there. I just found out there's like a Buffalo farm. They sell Buffalo milk. I was like, what? What? I didn't even, what? Have you tried it? Uh, No, I haven't. But (laughs) I I just, and I told Vante, I was like, what, do you know that they have Buffalo milk? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) So, um, and that's like pretty close to here. And so if you, yeah, if you look at these like websites, they'll show you what's around you. So if, even if you don't live in this area, um, I guarantee there's still something around you that you can, you know, gain access to. So, um, but I know one of your questions was like the farming and like getting into the nitty gritty of it. Um, so again, another layer that has been peeled back, um, and I will accredit a lot of this to, I did see that, did you watch the Netflix, um, 
it was a documentary. It's called Kiss the Ground. I, I've seen excerpts from it. I've never watched the whole thing in entirety. Okay. Um, I, well, first of all, I'm a sucker for documentaries because they are, they're, I mean, they're supposed to be, they're, they're compelling and right. you know, they are super informational. I'm going to um, write it down though. So I watch it. Yeah. Um, but one thing again that I, and we should all try to do, um, when we're ingesting any type of information is just look into the people that are sharing it and, mm-hmm. you know, their motives and, and who they are and if they have any, you know, conflict of interests involved um, because there's a lot of documentaries on there, you know, and um, so I looked into this one before I really even watched it and it's, it's just groups of environmentalists and so obviously they're trying to get you on their side but I'm like, that's, I'm okay with being on their side, you totally. know, they're, they're looking out for us and the planet and so it's, if no one's watched it yet, I, I genuinely think this is a incredible film. It's not, it's, it's about an hour, I think, maybe a little bit over, um, but it really dives into the importance of soil health. And if you think back to when we started this podcast, like we were talking about, yeah, like what to eat on our plates and now we're at soil health and you don't like, that's how deep it goes. Like food goes so deep. Um, and like, no pun intended, it, it literally is like soil deep. Um, so this documentary kind of opened my eyes to farming in general um, and our practices and how it's impacting, again, not only the planet, but our health as well. So it's just like any other living living being, you know, um, you have a living human, you want to treat it the best, you want to, you know, give them all the right food, you want to give them the right environment, all the love. If you have a dog or a cat, you want to give them all the right food, give them all the love. And so when we think about soil, which is where all of our food comes from, you want to give it the best health, you want to give it all the love that it needs, you want to give it the right ingredients so that it can thrive. Um, and so it produces the best food so then that we can in turn feed our, feed the world. Um, and so when you have, you know, layouts of land that is not being taken care of or is being um, what, you know, most would say ex- extorted, mm-hmm. it's just kind of being used um, for profit, um, you have a much less or a less quality of food coming from those types of lands. And not only is that not ideal for us and our health, but also our planet. Um, you know, we, in in the film, and I, I don't want to give it too much away because, you know, they did a great job and I really think you should go watch it, but um, they, they mention um, that we have about 60 harvests left. That is terrifying. <laughs> when I read The Pegan Diet by Dr. Mark Hyman, he mentioned that mm-hmm. in the beginning of his book and like, it's terrifying to wrap your head around that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. And and for, again, those unfamiliar, that's that's 60 years. So you, you harvest once a year. So 60 years stands between food and no food. So then what happens? So And can you, like, add that? Can we get any back? <laughs> like, right, right. So, and I, I'm sure we've all seen, you know, um, a lifetime on our planet, all these different, you know, awesome films um, that are really just trying to get people fired up about doing their part to um, send us in the right direction. Now, I don't think, I don't, I don't like calling it like saving the planet or like, because this planet, life on the planet is going to continue regardless. It's just 
are we and is our life going to be able to sustain on this planet with no food and with no air and with no water and stuff like that? So, um, what I would assume happens, and and I'm I'm not an I'm, I'm not an expert, expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know we would turn more to this bio lab food that we are currently ingesting, and we're seeing. I mean, we're just everybody is anxious. Everybody has, um, you know, digestive issues. Like, I'm, and I'm generalizing obviously, but, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lot of like inflammation and chronic illnesses and stuff like more than ever before. And I wholeheartedly believe that's, that's the food that we're eating. Um, but you know, if we don't want to get to that point and do I think that we can turn it around? Absolutely. I mean, uh, again, this, this regenerative farming, and I know we haven't really like talked about it too much yet, but um, a lot of this comes back to that. And so regenerative farming is feeding the planet while working with nature and replenishing what we're taking out. And I think that's a big distinction um, because it's, it's unrealistic to think that we're just going to exist here without taking anything out of the planet. A, a brief overview, and it's it's a complex process, um, but a lot of it, again, is done naturally just in nature. And so what the farmers do is they just enhance the natural procedures that are already happening. So, um, you know, some of the main differences between industrial farming, which is where a lot of our food comes from, you know, um, I think I just read a stat, it was like 96% of the U.S. food comes from like corn, soy, wheat, um, you know, animal confinement, like that's 96%. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like that's, that is, that is wild. Um, so, and again, those farms are industrial farms. So the difference between industrial farming and regenerative farming is, um, again, industrial is going to be extorting the land and the animals um, for profit. Or to, you know, I, I don't like to think that everyone's evil in that business. Like I, their, their goal is to feed people. And so they're getting food to plates. But is it the best food? Is it the food that we can feel good about and, you know, uh, nourish our bodies with and feel good about giving back to the planet with? No, I don't think so. Um, but regenerative farming um focuses on and and i can name some like real like i can get real nerdy it's just go for it <laughs> so uh we can start with just like you know like planting seeds right like seeding um industrial farming is going to use um heavy tilling and so tilling is like the, they're those big plows that will um pretty aggressively harshly dig into the soil um, and it's for a purpose it's to aerate and it's to germinate and it's so um, you know the seeds grow and they can put um, fertilizer in and stuff like that it's basically to expedite the process of um, growing and so they do that um, and then on top of that because the soil is like you know brittle and it needs fertilizer and um, it's not thriving with all these beneficial microbes and organisms it's needs um pesticides and it needs you know if it needs it that's a different question but um again to expedite the process it's going to be sprayed with pesticides and herbicides um to keep out weeds and anything that would slow down the growth or the production rate um so then not only is this food coming from 
you know, less than ideal soil. So like brittle soil. Um, and I would, I would even go as far as to say sick soil. Um, but then it's being sprayed with these synthetic chemicals on top of it. And one of the most jarring things is, have you ever like seen videos of people spray pesticides? Why are they all suited up? I know. Why are they all suited up? But it's cool for us to eat. I know. That's <laughs> scary. It's not normal. Yeah. No, no. So, um, and again, I'm not like, I, I really hope I'm not here to, you know, sway anybody which way. The only thing I would say at the end of this podcast, I hope people do is just think more, think deeper. Um, if something doesn't seem right, just look into it, you know, just kind of do some research and then, and then come to your conclusion. You don't have to take what I say, um, you know, as like your new outlook, but you, but there are some crazy things happening that I think we do need to kind of pay attention to. Um, and so that's where a lot of our food is coming from. Um, and then on top of it, you think about where these industrial farms are located, mostly in the Midwest. Um, obviously, again, there's outliers. They're all over the country. But um, then you think about this food that's already come from less than ideal soil. It's been sprayed with synthetic chemicals. And now it's getting shipped all the way to the East Coast from wherever, you know? Um, I don't, like, you guys know when you buy fruit, like, it's <laughs> yeah. it's going to be, you have, like, five days to eat those avocados. Um, it could be, like, ten days before that avocado even gets to your plate. But it's still intact. It still looks green. It's still, and so you're like, there's something different. Like, this food, how fresh is this food? You know, so they, they have to pump it with preservatives, and they have to spray it with preservatives so that it gets from point A to point B when it's shipped from so far away. So now you're you're, you know, getting this food that, again, you think it's like, I'm eating an avocado or I'm eating bananas or that's, that's great. Um, but it's not the highest quality that you can get is, which is number one. And even if that's not a priority for you, number two, it was extremely destructive to make, you know, because, um, you, the farm was extorting nature instead of working with it and enhancing it and replenishing it. Um, so that's industrial farming. Um, just to and, and you're welcome to kind of look into it. And again, that that um, documentary will do a great job of just kind of explaining the facts um, in a very non-propaganda way, like just giving you the facts. Um, and then whereas regenerative farming is a system of land management and animal integration as well that will work with nature um, and put more into what we're taking out, um, more more into the land than we are taking out. And so um, just by comparison, so whereas industrial farming will do tilling, um, they will either do a light till um, where it doesn't penetrate the soil so so deep, or um, they'll use different types of plows that'll just it basically just like puts the seeds into the ground the way that a you know a farmer would normally, right. um, and then there is no use of pesticides, herbicides, um, synthetic chemicals at all. Um, you know they instead rely on things called cover crops, and those are basically nutrients um that add biodiversity to the soil and they give food to the the crops that are actually growing so it's a way to kind of you know kind of like the rainforest has like the the forest floor like the, its own way its own 
like leaf cover Mm -hmm. and underneath that there's like all these organisms that are um you know living and and thriving um that's that's the idea with cover crops so um it's protecting the soil throughout you know the um the winter and the rainy seasons um and so they also will do things like animal integration if they have animals on the farm which is basically um where kind of like pasture-raised animals comes from and stuff like that. And it's called like planned grazing. And so you could have like your um, cows and they'll have a, a specific plot of land that they allow them to graze fresh grass and hay. Um, and they'll be there for I, however long, you know, and then they will actually move them. And so while they're there out living in, you know, the pasture and they're they're eating the grass and they're um, – you know, like defecating and like that's, that's natural manure. And like some people might be like, oh, that's gross. But it's, that's the way that nature intended it. That's, that's how it's supposed to be happening. And there's a system for it that's already intact. And so the farmer is really just helping enhance it, keeping the animals fed, keeping them happy, you know, keeping um, the soil healthy. Um, And then the biggest thing that was, a surprise to me that I had no idea, never even thought about, never even really heard of it, that regenerative farming does is naturally the soil will pull carbon out of the air and sequester it in the soil. So we hear a lot about like greenhouse gases, the emissions, stuff like that, carbon dioxide. But with a regenerative farm, the soil is able to pull carbon out of the air pull it into the soil and use it for fuel, essentially. And so you're pulling carbon out of the air, which is extremely, you know, obviously that's one of the main um, debacles of like climate change and and global warming and, you know, um, just preserving the planet in general. And so I think it's like, once I saw that and I read that and I learned that, I was like, how can I not support people that are doing this, you know? Um, And, and again, there's plenty of people across the U.S. Um, that are either already doing this or learning about it more. I will say, again, in that documentary, they are kind of explaining that um, there's a lot of honest, good people, good farmers that are, like, maybe not familiar with it. And so there, it's um, an activist group that's going around the country basically, like, educating farmers and, and consumers and people um, that this is really the way that we should be doing it if we want to have more than 60 harvests left, if we want to be here more than, you know, th- longer than that. Um, so the only problem is obviously, like, it's – there's obviously downsides too. You know, it's, it's – um, slower production um because it's you know natural and it's not we're not expediting it with any like synthetic chemicals um but easy for us though there's many around this area so um what I've had to kind of do um and I'm digressing a little bit but what I've tried to do over the years is when I first got started in all this I was like I want to help everybody I want to change the world I want to do all these things and now I'm like it's so hard to do that so let me focus on like my community first. If we make an impact, cool, then we can expand past that. And so that's what I would say. Like I used to worry about everybody. And, um, my brother actually was the one, he was like, you just got to worry about, worry about you and yours right now, see what you can do better and then expand from there. So here, well, I, would I love to see the entire U S go to a regenerative system? Absolutely. But that's not feasible right now and that's not where my energy is best used right now. So right now, trying to get my community, hey, 
here's farmers around here that are doing it the right way. Here's why it's the right way. Um, feel good about supporting them and getting food from them. That's not only going to nourish you, your body, your family, but it's also going to give back to the planet and your local economy. So it's it's kind of like when you put all that together, it's like a no-brainer. Um, but yeah, I definitely looking into that stuff, you know, seeing that, that movie. And then also, um, if you're interested to do the ebook, to read the second ebook, it's really all about that in, um, depth. So, um, people are welcome to, you know, jump on that and kind of learn more. And I'll have a link to that down below for sure. But, um, wow, it goes so deep. Like when you, like this morning, like I had eggs and avocado for breakfast and like, I just cut up the avocado, but like, you don't think about like, yeah everything that goes into getting an avocado from wherever it came from, like to your plate, you just don't even think about it. And then when you like, while you were talking, like I was like spiraling a little bit in my brain. I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, it's just, it goes so deep Yes, yes. and there's so much to learn Mm -hmm. and it's just wild to wrap my head around. Yeah. And I want to like keep learning more about it. It's so fascinating. Right. I, I could see like in certain you know, ways in certain lights, it could be very, it's, it is, it's overwhelming because Mm -hmm. you feel like you're lifting like a veil off. And Mm -hmm. again, you're unlocking a level of consciousness. You're like, I had no idea. I didn't even think about this stuff. Um, but it's very important to take that. And then again, look at your, just your circle, just your life. How can I just change this in my life? I don't need to like, um, you know, fix everything and, and change the entire system or, or think about hyperfixate on where did these grapes come from? Like, I don't, I've, I've kind of had that realization over the last year is like also hyperfixating and worrying about it too much is also unhealthy. So it's like trying to just do your best, learn more. But what I've learned is if you implement and you, and you learn where to get you know, the food that you like from and, and now, you know, okay, well now I get my meat from Kirkwood PA and I know that that's like an hour away and it's, it's close. Then it's, it's like locked for you. You're like, okay, that's where I get my meat. I'm not stressed about it. Okay. This is where I get my vegetables, my seasonal vegetables, not stressed about it. Like you don't have to worry about all the the little things. And there's obviously life is going to have nuance. So you're going to have times where you're like, I can't perfectly source this right. like fruit or whatever it is. But, um, you know, through a lot of us starting to work this way and um, support farms this way and, and the local system this way, um, things will change. If we all do it, things will change. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully, you know, my hope is down the line, we won't have to be so, um, we don't we don't have to scrutinize so much, you know, where this came from or if I can trust that this is um, an accurate label or whatever it is. I, th- I just think that our path to really helping the world and and our country is learning being mindful now and making better decisions and applying it to their life you definitely made waves in the community like I know you (laughs) said that you wanted to start local and like you have you your Instagram (laughs) especially has brought so much awareness to it which is why I really wanted to have you on and then the ebook that you came out with and like you not only preach it, but you live it and you mm-hmm. lead by example. And I think that's so good for people to see. So your goal of, you know, screaming it from the rooftops <laughs> to your community and like making waves like you've you've done it and you're doing a great job at it. Oh, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's, it's very cool to see. And that's why I really wanted to have you on too. Um, I did want to talk about, so if people, obviously we know where to get 
our local food from Mm -hmm. farmers markets, Kimberton Whole Foods. And let's say someone's listening to this in Texas, like how, or Minnesota or Canada Mm -hmm. or anywhere, like what should they be looking up? Should they Google local farmers market? Should they Google like local grocer? Like how should they find food for them? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a a great place to start. I would probably first look if there's any local markets in the area um, and start there. And then when you go to the markets, you could kind of, again, like look into the vendors and see like, oh, this one farm is here. Oh, they happen to be an organic farm or they are a regenerative farm or whatever. Even if it's, I will say, even if it's just a local farm, that I think is very, very beneficial. Even if you can't get, organic or regenerative like just having local food fresher food um you know food raised by somebody that you can talk to in real life and you can ask them real questions um that's a great place to start um but if you can't or you don't find any uh farmers markets in your area um i would go to one of those websites there's regenerate america you can Mm -hmm. go there um they have maps that you can you know again type in your um your zip code and just kind of see if there's any around you. Um, that's a great way to do it. Also, they if you just go to the regular grocery store, um, kind of like look into the brands that you see, you know? Like mm-hmm. uh, if, if there's a, you know, organic section, then yeah, if, if it says a certain brand, then maybe – Maybe you buy it that day and you don't, again, don't think too much about it. You know that you're at least eating nourishing foods, but then like look into it and just see, okay, where does this food come from? Where does, where is it sourced from? Um, There's also, again, a lot of great places um, to buy from like ButcherBox and then um, White Oak Pastures. I don't know if you've heard of them either. They're in Georgia Um, and he is super, Will Harris is the, um, basically the the main head guy there um and he's been on joe rogan and he's um he's he's gotten a lot of exposure over the last couple years um and for good reason he he runs a multi-generational regenerative farm pasture-raised farm um and he not only does that but he educates a lot so even if you like find him on instagram um white oak pastures and learn from them and see what they post like that's that's how I've like really found a a lot about this stuff is just when you find like like like-minded people and then they put you onto their resources you're like oh cool and then all of a sudden you have a huge network and um you can outsource you know your resources to all these people so um that's what I would I would say your your best bet is probably to just look online and see what is around you first um and then you should I mean there's farms are everywhere so yeah I feel like we would be almost ignoring like kind of an elephant in the room with prices and how much they've like gone up like eggs are like $12 like yeah that's like not normal um so has your grocery bill I'll say for lack of a better term gone up since you started like eating this way or have you just sort of like restructured And it's like, okay, this is now an investment and, you know, I I don't go out to eat as much anymore. So that money now just goes towards a grocery bill or things like that. Right. Um, So it's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, It definitely, I'm not going to say that it's, you know, it's dirt cheap. It's, yeah, it's not, um, it's not super cheap, but at the same time, this is a substance that you are putting into your body multiple times a day, every single day. And if anything is going to impact your health more, it's food. Um, and so again, like kind of bring it back to our first point, like this isn't just about, 
you know, uh, social media posts and stories and like, look at my smoothie bowl. Like this is like, I want to be here a long time and I want to live a really good life. Um, so when you put it in perspective, that definitely helps. hundred percent. Um, but again, kind of investing in highly satiating, highly nourishing foods might be a little bit more expensive thinking like, oh yeah, this steak is now 18 and instead of like this lunch meat that was like 10 or whatever it is, but you're more satiated so you're not snacking and you're not eating throughout the day and you don't need as much of the little stuff um, that you will also be spending your money on. So you just stick to the basics and you, you know, you kind of learn like, okay, I'm going to get this here. Um, but then I know that the farmer's market eggs are wh- like, they're great quality and they're way cheaper. Like the eggs that I buy at the farmer's market are like four fifty. Like, and I'm like, really? the, people keep telling me about like egg problems. Like I don't have any egg problems. Like <laughs> you just got to go somewhere else, honey. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. And, and they're pasture raised and they're vibrant orange yeah. and they're huge. And it's, um, again, there's like awesome people like doing this. We just, if we find them, then like, yeah, we're so willing to support them monetarily. So, um, I would definitely say, yes, expect it to be a little bit more expensive. Um, but it's more of a value thing. Mm -hmm. I think the number when you get to the register is going to be about the same just without the less nourishing food. And Mm -hmm. so now you're like, okay, I have less food but I'm still seeing the same number, but this is better for me in so many different ways. Um, and so, and I, I get it, you know? So again, do what you can start where you can. Um, you know, one thing we kind of stopped doing was eating out a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, now don't get me wrong. I love a good, I love going out for, you know, a nice meal, having a nice night out. Um, I have a lot of friends in the restaurant business like that's love restaurants, but, um, sustainably like every, like all the time or doing takeout all the time or DoorDash or like whatever like that you think about that you're like oh I'm sitting here and I don't feel like cooking I'll very easily DoorDash myself a $35 meal with tip so true but I'm not paying $18 for this grass-fed steak so true <laughs> so true so it's a value system that we might have to do some internal work mm-hmm. and kind of restructure there um but that's just just be open to the process not gonna happen overnight um and no one can tell you what you put value on but I would say I would encourage people to kind of go about it differently and you know um there's also ways to just kind of plan it out and say you you do you get a system you're like okay well I know I don't get my eggs from Kimberton I get them from the market I know that I get a lot of my meat also from the market but I'll get you know the milk from Kimberton or whatever. So you kind of just like split it up and you have a system. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty sustainable that way. So have you always liked cooking? No. Okay. So <laughs> it's new. It was, it's actually funny. Cause, um, my family, it was like a known fact that I, I couldn't cook anything. Oh my God. That I definitely is could so not funny. Bake especially like I, w- I was making, um, you know, the, like the little kits that you can do like the Annie Ann's mm-hmm. pretzels kits or something. I got those one time and I was, I was of, I was like 18 or 19 and old enough to know better. And, um, I put them in the oven and I was like, you know what? Like it was like 30 minutes. I'm like, these aren't baking at all. And my sister was like, it's on 180 degrees. I was like, <laughs> because in the directions it said turn 180 degrees. Like at some point oh in the my direction. God. <laughs> 
but yeah good. so no I was not a a cook I was not a, I wouldn't even say like <laughs> remotely homemaker in any way but mm-hmm. um actually one of the good things that came out of the pandemic was I threw myself into cooking I actually bought HelloFresh and that was like that was awesome for me because um you know I think a lot of us found like hobbies whether it was walking or reading or whatever um but I was like this takes me out of my head right now and into the kitchen and I can just kind of create and um that was really fun to do so I kind of started cooking around then and then that gave me a good baseline for you know kind of venturing out and then you know finding my own meals and recipes and stuff and now you cook all the time. All the time. Yeah. The other day, um, well, not the other day. I say the other day yeah. as if I have no concept of time. <laughs> but you posted sometime um, that you were cooking like a lamb chop. And I'm like, wow, yes. I want to cook a lamb chop yes. one day. Right. Bone in. Like, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Should, Ashley, it's so embarrassing. You should have seen me the other day. I um, hate cooking chicken. Oh, yeah. But I like cooking everything else. But like chicken, I'm like terrified of it. It eats me out too. I know. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> I meant to get like thin cut chicken breast, but I just got like fat, Thick juicy boys. ones and I didn't like beat it or anything. So it stayed fat. <laughs> I put it in the pan to cook. I'm not kidding. It was 45 minutes later. I'm like, this thing is still raw. I threw it away. I'm like, this is just <laughs> stupid. Like I can't even do this. Um, so lamb chop yeah. is next on my list. Yeah. 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 And I love how you cook. You use a lot of butter. Yes. Um, mm. How do you like to cook your meat? This is selfish because I'm having steak tonight. So yes. I just want to know, like, oh how would gosh. you make it? Yes. So I guess depending, you know, how you like the the temperature in on the inside. Um, do you like it more like rare? Or so medium? I'm annoying. I like well, me like well done. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. But my boyfriend likes it medium rare. Right. Okay. Okay. The so, normal way of eating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So what I would do is, do you have a cast iron skillet? Mm-hmm. By okay. Um. I would heat that up, put some butter in it. Um, you can use tallow or ghee. Um, and again, that's like adding extra nutrients to it. So it'll absorb, like the steak will absorb it and your body will absorb it too. Um, so, you know, season the steak however you'd like. Um, but I would sear both sides, maybe two minutes, um, or it, it just depends how hot your stove gets, but um, it could be more or less than that. But sear both sides um, and then actually pull it off and then put it in the oven. Um, and that, that will keep a lot of like the tenderness and not dry it out on broil um, or bake. Um, I would do bake. Um, cause broil will kind of, I mean, you could actually do broil if you, if you're a little crunch for time too. Um, but another thing that I actually just started doing depends how thick the steak is, mm. but if you, don't mind like what it looks like you can cut it in half and then it'll cook not only quicker but it'll cook through a little bit easier kind of like the chicken like yeah if you had um been able to like cut it in the middle it'll obviously like cut down on the the thickness and the size so um I would yeah sear both sides um you know baste it in some butter yeah some garlic yeah um put it in the oven um and then I know a lot of people use meat thermometers, but um, I I will just cut a piece and be like, I just w- want to see what it looks like on the inside. But it, something with steak that um, a lot of people don't know is if you pull it out of the heat, let it sit for a little bit because it's still cooking on the inside. So that's a lot of people will like overcook it because mm-hmm. it'll still look a little pink or something on the inside when it's on the pan or whatever. But if you actually like take it off, let it sit, it's still cooking. So by the time you actually go to eat it, 
um, it'll be pretty like juicy and not super good you to know, know. dried out. Is this a new picture of my steak <laughs> tonight? Yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> um, so also because I have no concept of time, um, mm-hmm. recently you posted on your Instagram an analogy that I actually talked about on this podcast because it just really resonated with me. And it was an, an analogy that you made about salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, can you say that for yes. the listeners? Yes. So um, if you go to the, the market and you see um, there's farm-raised salmon and wild-caught salmon, and I know a lot of us get kind of mixed up, like, what's the difference? Like, oh, it's a farm. Isn't it, like, healthy? It's farm-raised, right? Um, so farm-raised salmon, if they were right next to each other in the grocery store, which they don't do, by the way. Um, they separate them for a reason because I think you'd be able to see the difference right away. But the farm-raised salmon is going to be like a pale pink. You know, um, they're very like cookie cutter in shape. Um, they uh, most most fish is also you know um, either going to be frozen or it's it just depends what market you go to. But um, it could be raw as well, just kind of like out in in um, the meat section. But um, it's definitely there's a there's a big difference where yeah, pale in color. Um, and then you have the wild caught salmon that is like vibrant red and it's, you know, skin still on and, and skin, um, looks really healthy and it's just, and the shape looks totally different, right? Cause it looks like an actual filet of salmon. Um, and so I think it's a good way to kind of look at all food and ourselves. So it's like the farm raised salmon you look into the way that they're raised it kind of makes some sense so you know farm-raised salmon um, they're raised in these really small enclosures um, so they're not out in open water um, you know swimming around eating what they would normally eat that's natural to their diet Um, there's a lot of um, you know like parasitic diseases and stuff like that when because when you're in these waters you're not like they're not healthy so um, a lot of these fish aren't healthy they're pumped with antibiotics Um, so that color and the shape and everything reflects that when you look at the wild caught salmon it's nice and bright and it smells good and it smells like fish and it 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 tastes the way it's supposed to um And that is a result of their biology and their um, environment that they're raised in. And that's natural to who they are or what they are. Um, You know, they're swimming. They're eating natural diets. They're um, not in these tight enclosures. And so when you look, it's the same. Yes, maybe it looks like the same food, but the quality of those are so different. Um, And so the wild-caught is a great way to kind of align ourselves. Like we are wild caught, we are wild born, but we are living in these farm raised environments. We are, you know, glued to our screens. We are, and I don't know if that's where we were going with this, but I'm going. I like it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know, we are eating things that are not natural to our diet. Um, We are, doing things that are not natural to our biology, like inside all day, um, you know, isolated, um, not integrated in communities and connecting with people, um, you know, and so we have that pale color. We have those illnesses. We have just a 
duller life, I feel like, um, than we would if we aligned ourselves with our biology more like the wild-caught salmon, the bright and the vibrant. We eat things that we're supposed to based off of our biology, not of our ideology or, or what the diet culture said. We, you know, make time for people that we love and, and time off of work and we make time for movement and things that are evolutionarily healthy for humans maybe our like color will come back, you know? Absolutely. And I love that analogy. It's like, it's stuck with me ever since you posted about it. And I think about it often, very often. We mentioned peeling back the layers of things, um, started with food and then it got into local farming and then it got into soil. Has this peeled back any other layers of like daily practices that you found through this exploration and journey of, let me start with food and just see where it takes me. Yeah, I, I think, um, and I know I've, I've probably said it a couple of times at this point, but again, it's opened up a level of consciousness for me, which has allowed me to dive into the other things like meditation and being more mindful. Um, and I know that those kind of come off as like buzz phrases and terms, but, um, being a more, feeling and spiritual and connected person has definitely come from all of this. It's just, again, another layer that's been um, kind of integrated through just being more aware and feeling good and looking a little bit deeper into things rather than like surface level. Um, I, I think in terms of like my anxiety, I think that that has impacted it a lot. Um, you know, obviously I still have moments where I, I can feel anxious or I have to talk myself down or out of things, but um, I I don't know if that's so much um, my f- like nourishment anymore as it might be my environment and just like my, you know, I have a high stress job and all that stuff. So, um, but it has helped me in those ways and just kind of like implementing um again, time outside of work was a big thing for me when I kind of realized like, oh, this is something that I need to do if I want to keep functioning at a high level. Um, You know, trying to make my life more of a balance between modern and like ancient tradition, ancient wisdom. I know that's like kind of, this sounds like silly to say. No, it doesn't, not at all. um, I do think that we can find like a happy medium between the two. you know, I think I said it before in one of, yeah, one of my um, pieces, I said, you know, we can live and coexist with technology without forgetting who we are. And so let's kind of like the farmer uses their resources to enhance nature. Let's do the same. Let's, let's use our resources to enhance our natural state, which is just to be, we're simple creatures. We really are. Um, You know, in terms of what we need to survive and, and be happy and, and feel good. Um, it's just that we, we add so much into it that makes it complex. Um, yeah. Have you ever looked into, um, Ayurveda? Uh, Yes. Um, no, I don't know too much about it, but yeah, I definitely, I think you should look deeper into that because it's exactly what you were saying. It's like modern day practices that are rooted in ancient, practices and Mm -hmm. traditions Mm -hmm. and it's it's wild how um I feel like the bridge of Ayurveda and modern day wellness practices is 
Andrew Huberman. I literally bring him up every five seconds. <laughs> yes. Like I can't stop talking yeah. about him. Like you think I'm in love with podcast, him. Oh my God, I die. <laughs> um, but his whole thing obviously is that everything he talks about is backed by science. And I mentioned this on the podcast a couple weeks back, but, and I said to you earlier that I went on a retreat, um, a couple weeks ago and I learned about Ayurveda for the first time. And most of the practices from Ayurveda, I started implementing from Andrew Huberman's suggestions and science backed things. And Mm -hmm. it's really cool how ancient practices are the modern day practice as well. And we're not connecting the two. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's roots to that. So, um, I think you'd, you'd enjoy if you like look deeper into that too, if you have any interest in that. Um, I could seriously talk here for (laughs) hours and hours, but I want to definitely drive people to your ebook because you are a wealth of knowledge. You have so much passion about this topic, so much knowledge in this space, and you recently compiled it into an ebook and your whole message was to just get people to support local. Mm -hmm. Um, And you actually weren't even going to charge for the ebook. (laughs) And thank God you are because it's, it's worth every single penny. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to have the link to the ebook down below, but also where can people follow you? Where can people find you and any other resources that you want to leave with people as we end the episode? Sure. Um, So my Instagram is basically where I do most of the work and you can find everything there. I have like a little bio link that you can find a lot of things that I'll post or share. Um, but that's where the eBooks are. Um, and on Instagram it's wellness, mind, body. Um, and then as far as, you know, resources outside of, if I, if I find anything or share anything, like that's where it's going to be. So, um, I'll constantly be keep, you know, reverberating the message of this stuff is important look into it um and again my my goal is really not to have people just blindly accept what I say but to really take it absorb it um you know look into it themselves and then decide that that's something that they want to do for them in their life um but for other resources um I one that I I just I don't feel right not telling people like I think I've I've been keeping them to myself for a while, but I'm ready to I'm ready to put everybody on. Not gatekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is hands down and by far the Weston A. Price Foundation. Um, that is, you know, they're on Instagram, um, but they don't do too much on Instagram. So I would say like looking them up online, uh, maybe even becoming a member. It's forty dollars for the year, but they keep you up to date on literally everything you need to know in terms of food farming and the healing arts. So, um, you know, I just learned a little bit about homeopathy drugs are on the market to be illegal right now. And I had no idea, like I had no idea. Um, so there's a lot that they'll keep you up to date on. Um, they have a lot of call to actions as well. Um, and they're always talking about farming, where you can get local food, what type of, you know, how to prepare your body for pregnancy, like all the, it's just using all of the wise traditions of, um, you know, ancient civilization and, and kind of, yeah, putting it in a modern way. And, um, that would be probably the, the main one that I would say, if anybody is looking to dive into this stuff more, that's a great resource. Um, but I'm also going to be sharing like pretty much the same stuff. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on today. 
Um, I would love to have you back anytime. You're always welcome. And your first podcast, how to feel. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was definitely, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was very fun and you're very easy to talk to. So I was lucky in that sense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much.